What is the fear of change keeping you from? We'll look at that in our coaching tip for the week. And in our interview segment, we have Myla Henry, a music director, pianist, a conductor, and the artistic director of the American Opera Project. We hope you enjoy the episode today. And remember, something powerful resides within you. I'm here to support you in seeing it and creating it. What is the fear of change keeping you from? I wanted to talk about this topic today because I recently had a client who was moving, moving from one state to another, had recently left a previous profession and had several changes in their family structure as well. So there was a lot of change going on. And what we talked about in our session was what the fear of change was keeping my client from. They weren't even sure that they were afraid of the change, but they were willing to look. And the question actually surprised them. Change brings up a lot for a lot of people. Sometimes staying in the same place, doing the same thing over and over, provides us a sense of comfort and safety. So letting go of that is scary. Sometimes it's easier to look on the other side of what's actually costing you to stay safe instead of what you want to create. So this is why I start with the question, what is the fear of change keeping you from? Is it the life of your dreams? Is it that big promotion? Is it moving to Europe? Whatever it's keeping you from is the side of possibility that could potentially change your life. So the first thing that I would have you think of is getting really present to what you're losing or missing out on by staying safe and small. If that thing is big enough, If it is deep inside you and it's the thing that calls you forward in a way that nothing else has, then you might have a shot out of the fear of staying safe. If your safety is more important to you than that dream that's on the other side, without any judgment in the world, sometimes that's how it goes. You might not be ready yet. What that means is you're just not ready to take that step yet. And that's okay. Part of the work we do is to check in daily to see if you're actually ready in order to create that thing that fear is keeping you from. In coaching, we always say that the possibility has to be larger than the fear for you to make any kind of a move outside your comfort zone. So take a look. Where are you on that scale? Are you ready? Today, I have the incomparable Myla Henry. (laughs) You are such a light in my life. I can remember the first time I met you with Opera on Tap and I remember walking into the room and seeing you behind the piano and you were just this regal, elegant, like very calm presence. For any singer that walks into a room, meeting somebody like you was like, okay, this is it. She's got it together. (laughs) Um, Ah, it was, it it was such a a wonderful moment to be held by you. And I think that that's how everybody sees you in this industry. And I think singers, any musician really, who's, who's working with you feels held. That's one of the reasons I think you're a powerful woman in the world, but 
I'd love to hear more about you. What's your story? How'd you get here? Tell me sure. a little more about you. Absolutely. Well, I mean, thank you. Gosh, after an intro like that, it's <laughs> I'm so honored and and humbled to be here and and so excited too and and to have this conversation. But yeah, I mean, you know, you know a little bit about me already, but I'll say that I'm a music director and a pianist and a conductor. And that's one half of my career. And then the other half is that I'm the artistic director at a company called the American Opera Project, uh, which is based in Brooklyn and uh, develops and presents new works of lyric theater. So those are kind of the two, you know, main sides to what I do, but there's a lot of stuff in between and they kind of go hand in hand and, and uh, you know, round out an entire career. <laughs> that's amazing. And uh, tell me, where, when did you first start playing? How did you get into music? Sure. Well, I started playing when I was five and when my parents sat me down and said, we signed you up for piano lessons. And you know, that was that. (laughs) And, you know, I I think I went through a lot of those awkward teenage years where you're trying to figure out, you know, whether you like doing it or whether you're doing it because you're supposed to be doing it. But I started playing for choirs when I was in sixth grade. And I really loved that, you know, being able to offer something and, and work with other people and collaborate. And so then I started playing for shows and musicals and all of the choral groups and then in the jazz band and I was in the marching band playing pit percussion and, you know, just doing a little bit of everything. And that really went through high school and, and into college where I was doing a lot of, of different collaborative work as a, as a pianist. So yeah, it kind of went on from there, but I never really considered like a career other than one in music. I love that. Um, What do you think has made you so successful as having a career in music? Because one thing I know about you is you haven't had a lot of side gigs, meaning like (laughs) the typical like server or cater waiter, like I was, um, (laughs) to fill in the gaps. You've always been someone that I know is very consistently pursuing always being in your profession. Yeah, you know, I I have definitely noticed that I've been really lucky in that regard and and very grateful for that. You know, I I will say my first job ever was at a pizza joint when one summer from high school. And then I also did a lot of admin work in my mom's pediatric office. So those were two prior musical stints. But yeah, once I, I moved to New York, I went to grad school at Manhattan School of Music. And I think going into the field of collaborative piano to to start especially meant that I was open to a lot of different opportunities and I took advantage of as many as I could. So I was able to play for lessons. I was able to play for classes. You know, I was able to really continue freelancing after I, I graduated and I continued working at MSM and Barnard and you know, did a lot of different projects around the city. And I always had an interest in both chamber music and in opera, but my first love was musical theater. And so I was making sure that I had kind of a foot in both doors, if you will, and searching out those opportunities as well. And so in a sense, you know, by day I was, I was meeting a lot of singers and meeting a lot of teachers and then filling out the gaps with, you know, other workshops and, and endeavors that kind of came as a result of that, that networking. So it sounds like you've been an entrepreneur for a long time. And yeah, uh, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got the goods. You got the knowledge. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, it's it's something that I I just sort of kept going, you know. And and I I was always 
interested in new connections and and I think networking was a huge part of that and and who you meet and when you meet them and where they where they take you. I love sure. that. <laughs> well, one of the things I also remember when I met you that inspired me the most about you was you were one of the few musicians that I spoke with that was willing to say something with your music. Now hear me out. Everybody is <laughs> saying something with their music, but for you in particular, you were always interested in new, new opera, new theater, anything new coming out of the gate. And you were willing to support people on those projects. So I'm curious, what do you love most about the newer, the newer stuff that's coming out, especially with your work with American Opera Project and uh, what inspires you behind it? Mm. Well, I love defying expectation in the project's that I get to work on. And I, you know, I love blurring boundaries and, and works that really don't fall in one category, or another, uh, but that really fall into their own category and, and their own style as created by the, the creative team, the composer, the librettist, you know, the director. And so I, yeah, you know, I love working on uh, I guess in a blanket term, sort of music theater projects, because I really find that all, uh, you know, all opera is theater, all musicals are theater, and, and, and it comes down to that fundamental storytelling. So I'm really enticed by something that, that has a lot of different uh, stylistic flair and, and that pulls on a lot of different influences, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> to say it in a nutshell. <laughs> no, I love it. I, I was thinking about the, the work I did with you, that it's still to this date the only opera that I've sung Trump's name and Kellyanne Conway's name in a line. <laughs> it was perfect. Well, and that's what I, what I love about what you do is so, so much of what you do is relevant to today's times, um, you know, and what's going on in the world right now. Speaking of that, how are you taking care of yourself during COVID as a musician? Well, in terms, I, you know, I could always be better about it. <laughs> I think I do. I have a, a habit, a good habit of, of staying really busy and kind of throwing myself into my work. Uh, but, you know, it's, this time has also been a good time to reflect and, and try to find that, that work-life balance. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know, making sure that I exercise, I've started jogging and, and having that sort of time to just get out there and do something and get a breath of fresh air. That's been really helpful. I do some yoga. I meditate a little bit. And uh, I also am very aware of all of the time we spend in front of our screens, which is, you know, 24 seven. And aside from daily Zoom meetings and even some workshop sessions and, and office meetings, you know, I also enjoy unwinding like with the latest Netflix noir. <laughs> I, I, have tried, I could be better about it, but I have tried to make sure that like the last thing I see before I go to sleep is an actual page from a book. <laughs> ah, so, you know, I, I try to do a little reading and, and kind of remember to look up and out from my screen as much as I can. Yeah. What are you reading right now? Oh, I am reading, I think it's the short story collection of mystery stories, like the 2018, you know, best of American mystery stories or something like that, an anthology. Yeah. So it's good. Short stories are good. I love that. It, that's what I need for bedtime for me <laughs> right yeah. before I go to sleep. Shorter <laughs> stories that I can still remember the next yeah, day. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, Let's uh, see. Yeah. What else am I curious about with you so much? Um, I would love to know 
how, well, back to well-being in COVID, I, I love that mm-hmm. you're taking care of yourself. And has any of that changed as a musician? You know, we have long practice hours. You're, mm-hmm. you're constantly, I, I guess we're used to a certain way of practicing all the time or, or the work ethic that is required to, to create anything. So mm-hmm. how are you finding that with being indoors and locked up and the screen time combined? Like, is there anything different that you're doing that you weren't doing before mm-hmm. you know, 2020 happened to source yourself in a different way as a creative? Yeah, I think I'm making more time to make music again. I, early on in the, in the pandemic, I sat down and decided to revisit a piece, a Chopin piece that I hadn't really, you know, practiced since college. And it was so refreshing to kind of go back to that and discover that like, I actually really do enjoy playing, you know, I enjoy just doing something and, and I do so much, so many different types of work now, you know, music directing and conducting and playing. And I've gotten the question of like, well, which one do you prefer? And I don't really know, but it, it was refreshing to kind of realize like, okay, I started as a pianist and this is what I still really can relate to and, and love. And so it was really nice to, to get back to that side of it, you know, and just for, just for like pure pleasure and fun, you know? So if I think as a result of that, I've been making more practice time. I've always been a really great sight reader and a really quick learner. And that comes in handy (laughs) for sure. But sometimes that means like the actual, like going back to something and practicing has gotten shortchanged. And so it's been nice to really spend time on a piece and like really get into your, your fingers, so to speak, and uh, to then see how much stronger it can be from there. So yeah, finding more, just more in-depth music time. Yeah. And it sounds like more time to be present in the moment mm-hmm. with it. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to, to put it for sure. Because it's, I don't, I don't want it to sound like, you know, I was just sort of showing up and sight reading and, and, and doing it, but being present, like really connecting with it, I think is, is something that can get lost in a very a busy schedule. And also I picked up the accordion. So I'll throw that in there. Oh my gosh. Like a fun, you know, musical side project. I decided to really focus on on playing the accordion. That's awesome. And that's, um, you're part of another group uh, called Opera Cowgirls, right? I am. Yes. Yeah. We are an all-female alt-country group. And we like to say uh, where Grand Opera meets the Grand Ole Opry. And so we do mashups of, you know, traditional arias with like folk arrangements and also traditional country tunes with folk arrangements. And (laughs) we, uh, we like to throw pretty much any like handheld portable instruments. So we've got, you know, I play a lot of melodica and some ukulele and accordion and auto harp and bells and desk bells, which is a fun addition. And then we've got banjolele and guitar and and it's just a fabulous group of women and um we have a lot of fun together yeah i think that's what i love most about watching you guys or you ladies is that <laughs> the camaraderie and how much you just love each other you oh can tell God. how <laughs> close you are because <laughs> yeah. you have so much fun on your shows it's so much fun i mean we've gone on a couple tours and and it's like just a giant <laughs> slumber party, you know, I mean, we, we get along so well, and we all have such individual careers and lives and, and locations now, but uh, when you get us together, it's, it's really, it's wonderful, and, and we all get along, and, you know, we just create the works together, and we just have a, a 
total laugh and a lot of fun doing it. Um, and that group was started by Caitlin McKechnie. And then the other fabulous women are uh, Sarah Beckham Turner and Jessica Sandage and Maria Lindsay and myself. I love it. We'll have to definitely give them a shout out and send people to you all. So one of the ways that I think that you've been disrupting the world, especially the, the music world, the opera world, the arts, what I loved is seeing your take on social media and how different you have been being like the past seven months really. But even before that, when you first became artistic director of AOP, Mm -hmm. I really got a flavor of how you all were open to new ideas and bringing the art form forward, right? Mm -hmm. Continuing to bring it forward into today's society. So tell me a little bit more how you all are creating that or generating those ideas for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have to give a big shout out to our director of marketing and communications, Megan Bruce, who has uh, just really uh, expanded our social media presence um, above and beyond. And and we're very lucky to have her. And uh, yeah, I mean, we we had this discussion, especially, you know, starting in mid-March, like, okay, how do we do social media during these times? You know, I mean, there's so much going on. Um, What can we offer? And so, uh, we've really taken it to heart to offer something, whether it's a distraction or something fun or, uh, you know, to kind of show that we're working in this environment and what we're doing and and how we're evolving and adapting. And and just not that we want to sort of make light of anything or, or not be aware of, of the current circumstances and, and um, you know, social issues, but we figuring out how do we use our platform uh, to not only voice our own cause, but to to serve as a voice for other artists and other causes. So we like to mix it up a little bit. And yeah, I mean, I think in terms of of you know what we do as a as a company, um, you know, we are definitely there to support our artists and and to you know kind of further develop works that we find are make really great story. You know, because I think the fundamental of what works on stage is, you know, the storytelling. And so I like to say we don't focus on what opera isn't, you know, but what opera is and what it can be. And so I think that uh, really helps guide a lot of our, uh, our decision making. So cool. (laughs) One thing that you had brought up was, you know, the, our own self-limiting beliefs Right. And I think my biggest one is that I'm, I'm not a powerful woman, (laughs) you know, but I, I also think that's, that's something, you know, that we all struggle with and, and uh, I'm constantly humbled by those around me. So I think in a way it made me strive to kind of prove myself and hold my ground and, but also continue to learn and evolve and adapt into the artist and, and leader, you know, that I want to be. Um, so well, that, I, I find that, I mean, that's so refreshing to hear that my love, because I think that number one, you're not alone. So mm-hmm. thanks for putting that on loudspeaker. I mean, I think yeah. every <laughs> single powerful person I know at some point or another, you know, felt like it was imposter syndrome or that they're living into it. Mm-hmm. And the mark of a great leader is always being will- willing to grow. Mm-hmm. So I hear you holding space for both. Absolutely. More of it, yeah. But also so open to collaborate and partner with people. Yeah, I definitely think it's a, you know, it's a learning experience. You know, you, you don't just sort of go into a, a, any position and then say, okay, I'm here. 
you know, I've got it. I figured it all out. You know, I think it's a constant uh, evolution and seeing, okay, well, I'm here now. What, you know, what can I continue to do? Mm. (laughs) So as a powerful woman, um, who's your team? Who do you have around you? So I'm thinking like anybody and everybody in your life that holds you as you hold other people, you know, as you're out there building your business as an entrepreneur, not only as this fantastic musician, pianist, conductor, artistic director, all the things, uh, who do you have holding you? Yeah. Wow. So many people. I mean, when you sort of step back and, and, uh, look at the big picture, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful, uh, to my husband, James Moore, and we're both freelance musicians. And, you know, we both know exactly what the other is kind of experiencing in that world. I've, I've never felt like I had to explain crazy schedules or, or one-off gigs or anything like that. And so, yeah, he's a, a constant and daily reminder of, of support. And certainly, you know, I came from a really musical family and a very theatrical family, and I n- never questioned going into the arts. And I, I have learned over the years that, you know, I shouldn't take that for granted necessarily. Um, I've sometimes thought of like, well, what would I do if I didn't, you know, and that's kind of the alternate reality scenario. But I, yeah, I, I saw people with careers in the arts and, and living in New York uh, from a very young age. And so that was definitely a huge influence in just how I saw my life turning out. And then, yeah, the the fantastic team uh, at AOP, you know, I co-lead the company with our general director, Matt Gray, and uh, then we've uh, doubled the the work team at AOP. And so I mentioned Megan earlier, director of marketing and communications. We have Emily Manzo, our development director, and uh, rounding out the team are Joel Kahlo and uh, Charles Jardin. And so the six of us make up the American Opera Project. And yeah, I have to say in, in daily Zoom meetings, especially for the past six months, we have seen a lot of each other and have supported each other <laughs> through thick and thin and uh, through all of the chaos of the world. I mean, we've talked about the Opera Cowgirls, but, you know, whenever we get together, it's it's just, we have so much fun and, and we're, we're, we're a close-knit group as well. And, and so, I mean, those are the sort of three major components, but I have to say I'm constantly inspired by those around me and uh, colleagues and uh, people in a similar position to myself, uh, whether it be in artistic administration or, or as music directors. I mean, I'm always sort of looking to what others are doing and saying, oh my gosh, that's so amazing. Like, that's so cool, you know? And uh, so I feel like I'm, I just feel very supported in, in uh, the artistic community for sure. <laughs> well, I like to highlight teams for leaders because I think that all of us, you know, we don't get anywhere without a team. So mm-hmm. it's really inspiring to hear how many are on yours. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a lucky gal. <laughs> So there are lots of scared musicians right now in the world. Um, So what advice would you give them right now during this time period? Uh, Particularly the the people that are kind of in the middle that still were just getting their stride in entrepreneur land and and, uh, then COVID hit and here they are, you know, struggling. But also it seems like looking for creative sources, creative outlets, and also some hope. So Mm -hmm. what would you say to them? Hmm. Well, you know, I think learning how to adapt, right, and how to kind of create your own content 
during this time, right? We're all talking so much about content and, and there's so much visual content out there. And, and you know, there's so many uh, new mediums and, and new art forms that are kind of taking on film and digital and, and TV and all of these different platforms. I know at AOP, we always ask ourselves, like, what do we want to watch? You know, because we want to make sure that what we're producing is is something that we would also want to attend. So I think that's an important consideration, you know, for, you know, any artist. And how do you make it your own? And how do you make it unique? And, and um, you know, so much, everything takes twice as much time. And I think allowing that time and planning, you know, it's not just setting up your phone and and or your computer and recording, like there's so much that goes into the, you know, the angle and the setup and you have to think of it as a set in a sense, you know, and you yourself are always the performer. And so I I think taking the time to see how you can make that your own, but also just, you know, like we've talked about using this time to reflect and like saying, okay, what, what do I want to do and how do I want to do it and how do I get there and who can help me? You know, I, I think, I always said, you know, yes to a lot of opportunities. I was always really open to, you know, whatever was kind of being thrown my way. And I think that definitely helps to figure out what you really enjoy doing and also to, you know, connect you to new artists and individuals who can help you get there. It's the same idea of of trying to connect with others because we all just want to have that that interaction, you know. So, yeah, that's where I would start. Uh, what do you tell yourself when you get afraid? Like, I imagine there are many times in, in life that you do get afraid, afraid of your career, afraid of what's next. What's the thing that you, um, yeah. What do you say to yourself? Oh gosh. <laughs> well, it, I do. I mean, I, I, yeah, I like, I think everyone get overwhelmed and nervous and, you know, how is this all going to happen? And I think I, I try to remember that I'm certainly not feeling that even if I think I am (laughs) in that moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I try to focus on, okay, what is the immediate thing? You know, like I, I often get uh, anxious about things coming up on the horizon. You know, when I see that I'm about to embark on a really uh, busy time period or that there's a lot coming up and that can sometimes feel overwhelming. And I think focusing on, okay, what do I need to get done today? And you know, or what do I need to do today for tomorrow, that sort of thing. And trying to stay present, mm-hmm. as we've talked about, uh, is definitely something I've been, I've been working on and, and I think is a, definitely the, the right way forward. <laughs> but it does happen. <laughs> Nerves, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it sounds like even just naming it for you, naming the fear is something that grounds yeah. you a little bit. Yeah, in a sense. I mean, I don't get nervous performing. You know, I think we all have little butterflies and in any type of public presentation and but I've never felt like massive stage fright I (laughs) I am grateful that I don't really have to memorize music anymore I look back at those years in undergrad and think like wow how did I do that you know so that was a different level but but even then I yeah I never felt truly intimidated by performing but I think it's when I let myself kind of spiral into the if but oh no you know Mm. <laughs> look at everything and look at my, my color coded calendar and, you know, how will that all work out? So it is, I think definitely just being aware of it that helps, yeah, provide a sense of calm. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. 
So if you had a megaphone and had to make a statement to the world into the next year, what would your statement be to the world? <laughs> yes, I know. So much pressure, Alina. <laughs> well, you know, we want to hear. I love what you said in the beginning about walking into a room and and when we first met and and you know, little did I know, uh, sort of the light that I was providing to the room, which I'm so happy to hear. And uh, you know, I um, it's it's funny imagining me at a megaphone because I'm not known for my projection, so I'm. I'm <laughs> You know, working on that, but, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think it exactly what you said, you know, in any type of rehearsal setting, um, I'm going to approach it in, in that way, any type of collaboration, I'm always think, okay, um, be kind, be supportive, listen, and how, uh, can we nurture the best out of one another? You know, I, um, I always want to lend a helping hand and, and say, how can I help, you know, and how can we do this together rather than, okay, here's the highway and, and here's my way. And we're going to do it this way. Like that's just not sort of in my personality. I suppose that's why I went into a, a more collaborative field, I think. Uh, so I, I think that can go forward, you know, into that, that megaphone <laughs> into leading the, the world in the next year is that same idea of, you know, listening to one another, supporting one another, seeing how we can just help each other and, and being kind, you know, I think uh, we can all learn from each other and we can all stand by our own beliefs, but it's important that we work together, you know, to move forward. I love it. Uh, <laughs> you're such a light for the world. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you no, so much for being with us, Myla. I mean, I I am so grateful to you. I'm honored to know you. I'm grateful for the work that you're doing in the world and the arts and in your own soul to be creatively expressed and share it with the world. And I'm grateful for your friendship. Thank you for loving me. No matter what stage I'm in, you were always a soft place to land. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you. I mean, thank you for thinking of me. You know, I'm just really honored and, and, and amid such good company. That's right. You are definitely amongst all of the people on here. Oh, thank you. Thanks for being here. Bye.